Can it make me sound smart also? Like fill in some words and <laughs> take some of the uhs out and the ums. And <laughs> that, that would take a lot of work on my okay. end afterwards, yeah. <laughs> well, I'd appreciate if you do some of that work at least. <laughs> What's the rating on your podcast? Like it's explicit, many... so you can swear as much as you want. Okay. I haven't heard a lot of that in your podcast yet. Oh, yeah. I'm, there's... I'm, and it's not like I'm going to go out of my way to try to do that. No, no. I just, I wonder if they're going to sneak out. And... Yeah. Everyone drops some shits and okay. some, I do one with my son and it's called Really Dad. And it's about parenting your teenager and communicating with them. Oh. And there's got to be at least 50, 60 F-bombs in that podcast with my son. Because <laughs> <laughs> his, his only issue is he swears a lot. And what's his mom think of this? She listens okay. to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She, she's just happy to hear his voice because she lives out on the island with the other boys. So right. I'd like to tell you that my son doesn't hear that language from me, but that's not true. You I'm know, lying. there's I'm there's lying. one of the things we talk about in the podcast is, you know, <laughs> this weird disconnect we have in parenting where we tell our kids, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. You know, you can't act like an adult, but you must be an adult. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, 18, it's just like, okay, now figure it all out. It's your responsibility. When you never gave them that opportunity to learn it and mess up. Fair. So we talk a lot about how, you know, whether it's you know, sex or drugs or, uh, you know, alcohol, all those things that we as parents just say no to when they're going to do it anyway. Especially the more we say no, the more they're going to do it. Right. So you just have to tell your kids, okay, these are adult things. If you're going to do adult things, you need to act like an adult when you're doing it. And here's how you do it safely. And you explain it all, give them those opportunities and just say, and uh, if you're doing those adult things, you're responsible for the consequences and the results of that too. So when you, if you fuck up doing this, you have to fix it. I'm not going to bail you out. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't really advertise that one a whole lot just because of all the swearing. I think it's just been recorded though. What's that? You just recorded this conversation. I did. Yeah. Yeah, I may or may not use it. (laughs) (laughs) The Five Elements of Letting Go, the podcast. Discussing mental health openly and freely. And learning tools and techniques to find peace. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Five Elements of Letting Go. I'm Dr. Jared McCollum. Today I have with me... Andrew Gustafson, and um, he is the little Mr. Everything in this town. Yeah. He runs Natural High, the gym up at the rec center. He's got the the box. Um, uh, it's just the, what do we call it? The it was Natural High CrossFit. Pro, CrossFit yeah. Natural High CrossFit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why CrossFit gyms are called boxes. I don't know where that came from. I should find that out. Like, well, I read I read that, you know, fire book or whatever, yeah. right? And the reason they call them boxes is because the first few that opened up were opened up in um, like industrial areas in like, you know, like those warehouse spaces or whatever. And they were shaped like a box. Oh, ours is. Yeah. It's very square. Yeah. And so that's kind of where the story that's what they say in the book anyway. Okay. Well, I'm done here because I've been educated. You've go. learned enough yeah. out the door. Yeah. No. Okay. So, yeah. And Andrew, uh, he's been president. He just recently stepped down as president of the Sheep River Health Trust. He's – I don't know if you still are as much, but in the past he's been highly involved in politics at the municipal level and at the provincial and federal level, um, just supporting candidates and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, you and kid sport and <laughs> on and on and on. Yeah. You're probably one of the most involved community members that I know here in town. 
I, you know, I have been fairly involved. I'm less so now. Mm-hmm. I, uh, if we're going to have a conversation about mental health and we yes. have to have a conversation about over Prague <laughs> oh, programming yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I'm less so now. And I, and I've, I, I think the other part of the conversation that I'd love to talk about is that, that sort of matching of values to actions. And, mm. and, I, and I feel like in my community involvement now, I'm, I'm much more matched. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm certainly happier in what I'm doing for community involvement now. I'm still involved in a few things, but less than I was. Um, and I was never really involved in politics. I want to make sure that I throw that out there I, as a candidate or anything like no, that. No, no, no. But yeah. yeah, I was very interested and I was, I was very involved in conversations about it and involvement with the Chamber of Commerce sort of made me a lobbyist in, in yeah. a lot of ways. And so, yeah, I was involved in a lot of conversations, but I was never a candidate. And no. I was close. You know, yeah. like I, I talked about it. I thought yeah. about it. I, I always thought that was the trajectory for you because it almost looked like that. you were kind of laying that groundwork. And I knew there was the interest for it. Um, of course, you know, uh, I did. I was a candidate twice for stuff, and um, I came to the same conclusion that it's not for me. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's never for me, but it wasn't at that time when I really got honest with myself. It wasn't yeah. for me. And you said, you know, it, it looked like I was laying that trajectory. I was mm-hmm. never doing that purposely. It seemed like that's where it was going, though. Yeah. And, and as soon as then people started calling me on that, that's when I started <laughs> being like, actually, yeah, that's no. Because there was the, I, I could talk about a couple of stories around that, but my first sort of experience with, with people sort of criticizing me for being involved in stuff and really, and really good intentions. And then, and then sort of them seeing those intentions as something else that oh, bothered, boy. that bothered me. And that was yeah. another cause for me to sort of step back and say, Whoa, there, there is going to be, there's no winning in yeah. this. Right. So I really respect people that do it because there isn't a lot of winning. Yeah, and exactly. It, and it would take a toll on people's families and whatnot as well. And my kids are, young enough still that I don't want that on them. So, no. I, so I stepped away from, from involvement yeah. at that level. Very thankfully now. Yeah. How dare you get so involved in the community that, you know, people expect you and re- respect you enough yeah. to think you'd run to really make changes. You know, how dare yeah. you? Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it seems silly, but that's how it is sometimes. Yeah. And, Anyways, yeah, there's a, I don't know if we have time, but there's a couple of specific stories on that. That's Go ahead. Not, that's, yeah, tell them. That's not what we came here to talk about. But, <laughs> but if we're talking about, you know. How it affects you mentally, yeah. Wellness, yeah, it did, it, it did impact me. I'll, I'll give you one specific example. This is, it just came across my Facebook memories actually a couple, maybe a week ago or something like that. Okay. Was, so I know it was three years ago. Um, yeah, we got lots of time, right? So yeah. Think, so my parents uh, spend a lot of time in Mexico in a place called Manzanillo. Mm-hmm. There's an orphanage in Manzanillo, and there's a lady in their condo complex who is incredibly involved in this orphanage, and therefore my parents have now become quite involved in it, fundraising and just support in a number of ways. This orphanage is linked to a university, the University of Kalima, who has a really crazy, impressive arts program. Dance, folk dance is a big part of it. The orphanage which has a school, looks at other schools around the world and says, hey, what's the things that these schools are doing to get kids really involved in the school and the culture and off the streets and everything else? And, and what they look at is sports and arts. Mm-hmm. They don't have infrastructure where they are to have a sports program, but yeah. they do have infrastructure there to have an arts program. So mm-hmm. they start an arts program, dance. Yeah. And it, it grows over the years to the point that they're traveling and they do these folk dance tours in other countries. Oh, so lovely. Got orphanage kids yeah. experiencing the world, which right. it's just an incredible. Yeah. Right? So a few years, maybe five years ago or something like that, my dad is involved in Olds, where he lives, where I grew up, in bringing this group of orphans from Mexico up on a tour of Alberta to do these folk dance performances. And I went and watched it, and I was blown away. 
Like it is just something that I've never experienced before. These kids are so talented and yeah. Mexican folk dance is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was neat. So anyways, that's that, a, a, you know, a year and a half later, my dad calls me and says, Hey, these kids are coming back again. And we're looking for a couple of locations where we can put them. Would you be interested in using your rotary contacts to see if we can bring these kids to Okotoks, find a venue, find some billets, find some food, not a terribly complicated thing to put together, but would you be interested in helping us do that? Yeah. Or at least put me in touch with the person that would do that. Yeah. I was like, no, I can do that. So I used mm-hmm. my, I was, a, I'm not anymore, but I was a member of the Rotary Club at that time. And so I used my Rotary connections. I said, hey guys, we want to do this. We got to do this. And we're mm-hmm. going to use it as an opportunity to raise money for these kids, but also to bring them here and they can experience Okotoks in the mountains and yeah. our region, which is really worth seeing in my, mm-hmm. in my view. Yeah. So I go through all this work. And not alone, there's a group of people within Rotary, but I, I did some work. We put together an amazing performance at the high school. They got a beautiful theater that they opened up for us. We had like 15 community members open up their homes to billets. We brought these kids up. They did their little tour. Denny's fed them. It was like, it's a oh, really awesome. cool thing. It, was, yeah. it wasn't that complicated to put together. It just so happens that it was you know, a week ago or so, the municipal election comes up every fourth year, a couple weeks from now. Mm-hmm. So... I'm doing this thing, which I feel is just like a really cool thing to do for these orphan kids in Mexico and providing a really cool arts and culture experience for those citizens here in Okotoks. That was my entire motivation for doing this. Yeah. But I got a lot of criticism online and people to my face even saying, man, what a nice coincidence that this happens to be right when this municipal election is coming up. And man, look at all the things that you're doing to position yourself for a run for council, including this orphanage kids come. <laughs> and, and so it, why, why are people so cynical? I don't know, but it, but it caused me to really pause for a second and be like, yeah. man, is that really why I'm doing this? And I, and I don't think it was why no. I was doing that. I don't believe that's what was in my heart at the time, but, but yeah, but there's some criticism with that. Yeah. And so it, at that point I was like hundred percent convinced that I was running for a seat on council. There was, mm. there was some people that were saying, you got to run for mayor. I mm. never had intentions of doing that. Yeah. Ever. But council, I was like, yeah, I think I could be good at that. And yeah. I think I'm maybe positioned to have a good shot of winning. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's something I should do. And yeah. I was, I was really having those conversations, mm-hmm. but, but then this is just one story of many that yeah. made me go, uh-uh, no. Yeah. Cause if I get on council, then I got to deal with those kind of people. Yeah. <laughs> and I, Sorry, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. I just don't want to spend my time dealing with people that are looking through a really negative lens with, with without any positive filter ever at all, yeah. and that's how some people are. And yeah, um, so yeah, now I'm saying some people and those people, and that's you know, well, those that make guy, comments, you know, yeah, and yeah. it's there. It's not a particular person, but those that you know are interpreting it in the wrong way. So yeah. say things. Yeah. Anyway, so so I've <laughs> I've stepped away from that kind of stuff, and I've changed the way that I'm involved, and and some of it purposely, like I I, yeah. I quit certain things with some intention of getting rid of some of that stuff out of my yeah. life. And I'm very pleased today that, that, that I'm obviously putting myself in a position where I'm snowing some people like yourself into thinking that I have some degree of mental wellness and I can come in here. And, <laughs> no, no. And if, you, if you had complete mental wellness, we'd have nothing to talk about. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I'm <laughs> I, am your, I am your candidate then. <laughs> lots, lots to talk about. Yeah. Well, I, I know I felt the same way. You know, going through all of that, I learned too that um, I, I'm more of a one-on-one helper. You know, I don't do well in organizations. We were on Cheaper of a Health Trust together. So, you know, I'm not good in situations like that. (laughs) I don't. You're not giving yourself enough credit. (laughs) I don't fit in well and I don't play as well with others as I should. But uh, so I, you know, I 
I was involved in quite a few things, you know, when I first moved here to Oak to Oaks and, um, and I don't do those same things. Now I try to focus more on using my skill set to yeah. benefit the community in different ways, but because yeah. it's hard, it, it it's hard for anyone to kind of put themselves out there and then have those things. Like that's yeah. the thing: you get elected, and all of a sudden, half the people hate you. Yeah, for well, no reason other made, than you're pissing off half the population. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I have a lot of respect for the people that put themselves in that position because there's no winning. No, but the problem with that is that is it doesn't put the right people all the time exactly. in those because really, really great people aren't going to put themselves out there and take that. Cause it's not worth it. Right. It's not worth it. Yeah. So we lose some great minds and some great potential candidates. And I yeah. think that's really unfortunate for everybody. So if just a few people would shut up, we'd actually probably find the whole system would get better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like you say you're a one-on-one guy. I, I think I've discovered that I'm a one-on-twelve guy. Yeah. Like basketball coaching. There's yeah. 12 kids on a team. Yeah. Basketball boards. There's like roughly in the neighborhood of 12 people there. I'm, I'm really happy with 12 people. Yeah. <laughs> my CrossFit gym, we max class sizes at 12. I'm yeah. like, 12. It seems to be my number. I like 12. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's how real connection and community happens in those smaller yeah. groups anyway. It's, it's, it, once you get above that number, it's super hard. Yeah. To, like when I teach my classes, I max them at 15 because I find when we get, you know, over that number, there's not enough. And again, again, if you've read Malcolm Gladwell's tip, tipping point, he even talks there about class sizes. You know, 15 to 20 is like yeah. that max where kids can, because if there's too small, they're too intimidated to ask questions. Right. If it's too big, they get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And you want that like middle little sweet spot where... There's, 18, is that what Malcolm Gladwell said? Yeah, 18? 18 or 20. Yeah, I read that too, and I, yeah. I, I shared that with my wife, who's a teacher and administrator uh-huh. in a school. And, and she's like, she's that'd like, be great that'd be if great. they give yeah, us the money. That'd be great, yeah. <laughs> and double the classroom space and everything else. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of reasons why 18 doesn't work, but yeah. <laughs> wouldn't that be nice, yeah. Well, um, you know, again, we one of the things I like to ask everyone, just kind of overview is, you know, because I want to get everyone's kind of opinion and viewpoint on how they view mental health in the community and in general. Where do you think it's at? You know, because some people, they don't notice it and they didn't really notice it earlier in their lives or now it's becoming something quite prevalent for them. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, would it be even remotely helpful if I said I'm a mix of both very optimistic and at the same time really worried for the future? I think that's exactly how it always is. Yeah, so... <laughs> Does that make me a little bit bipolar? I don't know. Um, talking about <laughs> mental health, that's a big word. For, let me say first off what I'm talking about. I am in absolutely no way qualified to talk about clinical level mental health. Let's just make that, sure that's that, abundantly yeah. clear. And, th- and that's not what this is about. Because yeah. if your listeners are looking for advice on how to deal with clinical level stuff, yeah. t- like go to some other podcast yeah. today because it's not me. Yeah. I, no education, no experience other yeah. than my own. And I'm, I'm a reader. I'm an observer. Yeah. And so I might have some comments, but... Yeah. Well, you know, our our whole plan with this podcast was when we were originally thinking of the idea, you know, I'm like, I can reach out to all the professionals I know and I can have them talk and, and give their stuff. But no one wants to be preached at. And some of that stuff isn't really helpful anyway. Yeah. And I thought we just need to have conversations about it. And, you know, the things that some people do personally might actually work well for someone else. So we're not giving, you know, Medical yeah. advice or psychological advice on the podcast. It's just, we just want to hear people's stories. So if you were like, oh, that sounds like me. I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, I can do the similar things. It may help me. So that's, that's what I'm Good. Okay. looking for. Well, then let me, let me tell you why I feel like I, I've got two minds of this. That the first step to solving any problem is recognition that there's a problem, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I feel optimistic for the future 
when it comes to mental health and wellness because we're having this conversation. Yeah. I don't remember there being conversations like this a few no. years ago. No. Certainly not when I was a kid. When I was in high school, I lost a friend to suicide. There was no counseling. There was no conversation. It was swept under the rug. Looking back, I, guess, yeah. I didn't realize at the time that there should have been a conversation about that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And now those conversations are happening and people are a little more open. I, I don't think when I was younger, even 10 years ago, some of my close friends, I would have never said, man, I feel anxious about that. Yeah. Man, I feel nervous about that. Man, I'm, I'm not really happy about this part of my life. And I wouldn't have had a conversation. At a, I wouldn't have been vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a little more free and open and capable of doing that because it's accepted. Yeah. My, my friends, maybe I've just got better friends now, but <laughs> yeah. regardless, I, I feel more comfortable now having those conversations than I ever did before with the people who are closest to me, but also with people that are just on my periphery. It's not taboo mm-hmm. to say that stuff. Yeah. It's not taboo for those people who are suffering from medical clinical level depression, as an example, it's not taboo for them to say, I am taking an antidepressant medication. Mm-hmm. It's not secretive. And I think maybe at one point it was. Oh, yeah. And so I, I, I kind of look at that and say, okay, we've recognized the problem. Therefore, I feel optimistic that maybe there's a solution coming. Yeah. I feel really fearful for the future for the same time because I, I see a lot of the things that I believe are root causes of some of the distress that people feel as, as not being addressed. I don't feel like people are really looking at the causes of some of this stuff, Mm -hmm. nutrition, sleep, let's just put all that stuff into a lifestyle category, but also choices that we're making relationships Mm -hmm. that we're building relationships that we're not building the online world and, and fake relationships that exist there and all these sorts of things that I think the list is long, yeah. so please don't just take this as the definitive list. The list mm-hmm. is long, but there's a lot of things that I think lead to mental dishealth, and yeah. and and I and I don't see a lot of conversation happening about that stuff. Yeah. And so I'm worried a little bit mm-hmm. because I, I do think that there are some things that we can do proactively in our own personal lifestyles and whatnot to hopefully mitigate against, mitigate against the development of a little bit further reaching mental health distress don't see people taking steps to do that as often as I'd like to see. Yeah. It's like, I see it as we've got that conversation has improved considerably. You know, we're actually putting it out there when there is trauma, you know, especially with kids, we're doing something about it. Yeah. We're providing that counseling. Now we're looking in those ways. Um, you know, it would be great if uh, counseling was part of our healthcare. <laughs> yeah. Cause it would save us a lot of, you know, uh, financial and community issues if that was supported. Um, but then the, at the same time, you know, I think some of those bigger issues that aren't like, uh, there's a great book by uh, Johan Hari, and I'm trying to remember the title right now, but it's about the uh, seven aspects of our lives that uh, aren't being dealt with, that are external to us, that affect our mental health more than just about anything. And they're things like connection in the community. Yeah. Do you feel like you have community and family and good close friends? Um, your job, is your job meaningful? Is it one of those, um, you know, jobs that don't really produce anything or doesn't go anywhere? You don't have any effect on the outcome or you never see the end product or whatever yeah. it is. You know, there's a lot of jobs out there like this. And if you don't, because we used to have jobs where you'd start something and you finish it and you could see the progress and, you know, the, yeah. the end result and, you did that. You made that. Yeah. You, you know, your, your father has a farm. 
My <laughs> right? father-in-law, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you're always out there front. You see the result of your hard work. Yeah. And a lot of people don't. I see the results of his hard work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I go help sometimes. But, yeah. Yeah. but there's all these things, you know, within those aspects in our community that are systematically been siloed, put upon us. Yeah. And we have, we're like, we have no control over changing, you know, how the the economic system is set up, you know, and the, some of the, the systems within our government yeah. and racism and, you know, all those other things that we're recognizing and we're moving towards yeah. it. But, uh, we, well, of course, we always want things to move much faster. But like you said, from where we started, where if you even talked about mental health, you were put in a home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, now we're actually getting supports. And, and I, that's why I'm encouraged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, I, and, and the, the whole thing about the job and having some control and stuff, There's we could nerd out for a while, talk about those Whitehall studies that were done in the UK, talking about stress and healthcare and the connection to people's feelings of control and their actual physical health outcomes. Yeah. And it's, and it's amazing. And, and, and um, Yeah, expound on that. Yeah, so I, I don't know if I'll have all the details of this exactly yeah, right, that's but I mean, okay. I've read these studies a while ago and they've been referenced in quite a few books that I've read. But so the White, Whitehall is the, the government area of London. So, you know, Westminster Abbey's down there in Big Ben. And, yeah. Um, Downey Road, is that where the prime minister there lives? Mm-hmm. Whatever, that area, there's a there's okay. a whole big, huge block of, of offices and whatnot. That's the federal government. Where all of, the ministries are yeah, located. the federal yep. government of the UK is known as Whitehall. And they did an interesting study looking at thousands, literally, of people working there. And, and the reason they found that to be an interesting subject or, or group of people to look at was because it doesn't matter what level of, of um, employment you have there, whether you're an entry-level person or a senior management type person, you don't have a big discrepancy in wages. They're government employees. Yeah. There's nobody there making a million dollars a year, mm-hmm. right? They, they're all paid well. Yeah. None of them are paid incredibly well. They're all yeah. about the same. They all have a living wage at least. Exactly. Yeah. And so as a result of that, they all live in similar types of neighborhoods and they all eat the same similar types of foods. Mm-hmm. And they all have the similar, similar education, similar educations. Yeah. And so similar financial stress, similar yeah. health stress, similar, 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 right? Yeah. So much consistency in every aspect of their lives, including their jobs and whatnot, like mm-hmm. the hours that they work and the commuting length of time and all those things consistent. Yeah. But what they found is they started tracking sick days. So how many people are missing work and how many days are they missing work? And mm-hmm. what sort of commonalities are there between the people that miss 20 days a year and the people that miss 100 days a year and the people that miss no days a year or whatever it happens to be? I don't know what the exact numbers were, right? Yeah. But they found the people that miss the most work are the people that are at the juniorist levels. Is juniorist the word? You know what I mean? Though. Yeah, or the lowest lowest levels. Lowest of, levels. Yeah. But, but with very little decision-making capability. Not yes. capability, but... They're not empowered. Choice. They don't have. Yeah. They don't have the power, the exactly. freedom to make those choices. Exactly. Yeah. The people that have freedom to make decisions and imply those decisions have very little sick days. Mm-hmm. The people that are left to just pick up the pieces of those decisions have many, many, many sick days. Yeah. And they started looking at that and surveys and science, and they did what they did with that, and they come up to this conclusion that basically says, "Hey, one of the things that you can do to really improve your health is to be in charge of something." Right. And maybe you are the junior person at Whitehall in the government of the UK and you have zero capacity to be in a position to make decisions there. You can't change that. We're all facing that in some avenue of our life. We don't have any capacity to make a decision here. We're just told this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. Right. But is there some other avenue of your life that you can get involved in? So when I talk to clients and 
people in presentations and whatever else, not and they're talking about stress. I say, hey, find something that you can be in charge of. Find something that you can take ownership of. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're the team manager for your kid's softball team. Maybe you're the bake sale coordinator for your church. Maybe you're whatever it happens to be, there's probably 7,000 ideas that exist in this community alone. Yeah. Go and inject yourself into something like that. Take ownership of that. And just that little bit of empowerment can offset the lack of empowerment you have in so many other areas of your life. And mm. you'll see remarkable health outcomes, physical health outcomes that come from just that simple change in one area of your life. Mm. Um, and so I found that to be a pretty powerful study. And they did that over many, many, many years and many, many thousands of people they looked at. And that was sort of the conclusions that were drawn from it. And I found that to be really, really interesting. Hmm. So I've just taken that in my own life as well. And I'm like, yeah, yeah you know, I need to make sure that I'm always in charge of something. And I, and I have a number of things in my life that I'm a leader of. And, I, and I'm really fortunate in that way. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that I keep it that way. Yeah. So there's always at least something. Yeah. Right. So as, as I get older and maybe I get into retirement years, the way things are going now, maybe 50 years from now. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. What, I know I'll be working till I'm 85. <laughs> what, what am I going to be in charge of when I'm 85? Yeah. Because right? I need to make sure that I'm, I take ownership for some area of my life and have, uh, you know, it's just really important decisions that I can make that I can see that impact others as well. And, and, and I take some pride in that and that mm-hmm. transpires into better health. And, yeah. So that's the White House studies. And I really, huh. I really, I loved when I was reading about that, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but I've repeated that many, many times over the years in presentations. And stuff. Mm-hmm. I always find that it's powerful. Yeah. Like, you know, I've seen that even just in, you know, with the employees at my clinic, you know, and when I run, you know, clubs with 15 personal trainers, like if they don't have some power and choice over the outcome or have yeah. some leeway so they can make decisions based off what they know about how we run things and how things are. So they can just make that decision without having to come and ask somebody, Yeah, you know, that those small things makes a huge difference for an employee when they're like, and a customer. Yeah. How many times have you walked into a store? We have a simple question. They can't answer it because they're not empowered to answer a question. They have to go ask somebody. It's annoying. Yeah. Um, I wish that everybody was empowered Mm -hmm. right in every role in their lives. And and we'd see outcomes in a positive way from that. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, along this line, uh, my, my dear friend Andy, who lives down in Texas, uh, he's, he's got several companies and offices throughout the, the U.S., and they were um, working with this consultant on trying to, uh, trying to find more efficient ways to find the right people to fill the positions within their company because they have, like, several. It's a homeowners man- management association company. So they have people that are sales, people that are in the office, people that, you know, work out, uh, you know, with the, within the communities. They, and then they have all these finance companies, uh, you know, yeah. lots of different things. And they um, wanted to see how they could improve it. And so they met with this one consultant. And there's this particular test that he uses with all the employees. And so they started it with everyone they currently had. That everyone take the test. And so, you, so you, first you take the test. You answer the questions based off of uh, how um, you feel about things personally, about yourself. And then you redo the test and it's, then you answer it based off your position within the company, you know, how you would respond to these things or how you feel about these things in your job as your position. And then uh, the computer kind of spits it all out and it can tell if you're in the right job. 
do, for who you are. Yeah, do the actions that you take in your job align with your core values? And what you need yeah. to feel. So what they found is like recently they had, they had someone that was just amazing in the office and they had been there for so long and worked so hard. There's always that push that, okay, I have to give them a raise. I have to put them in another position now because they've been here so long. They've, we always have this idea with our jobs that you have to move up. And they found this even with sales that, you know, when you, when you promote the highest salesperson to management, things just always crumble because the, the Peter principle. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so uh, what he did is he noticed that this one person that they'd recently just weren't doing as well and they weren't as happy and it was, they were a little depressed because they weren't able to just didn't fit them and they didn't want to admit it and they felt bad and, you know, they're, and so they had found this with a lot of people. They were just in the wrong jobs. Yeah. And so he actually worked things with the incomes to set things up so people can stay in the job they're great at. I, I love that. I, I've heard that before. And the analogy was with McDonald's is what I've heard that mm -hmm. with. And I loved it because it makes so much sense that take the person who's hired. Like, I don't know what the lowest possible job is at McDonald's. I don't know what the hierarchy is. I did it. Let's pretend it's for putting a the burgers together. Okay. So that's the lowest thing you can <laughs> yes, do there. So that's, okay. So you're hired to put the burgers together Yeah. and you're amazing at it. Yeah. So eventually you get a promotion. Now you're the French fry guy. Yeah. If that's the <laughs> or, or at up. the front, you Whatever. know, some yeah. just don't do well at cash, right? right? So you go from burgers yeah. to French fries, to egg McMuffins, to the bin, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is, you go through this hierarchy, you get through this yeah. progression. Then eventually you end up on a till. Because yeah. that's the pinnacle. Yeah. And you suck. Yeah. So what do you do? Like, yeah. What does the management do? They fire you. Yeah. What, what they should do is demote you. Yeah. Because that's where you were best. You were happy. You were doing well. The company's succeeding. But you can't promote or you can't demote people, right? Like, well, it you, looks, you, you can. And, and we should we in don't, cases. Yeah. But we don't. And yeah. yeah, so I've heard that called the Peter Principle. I don't know why, but it's fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's interesting that you kind of brought up the yeah. same thing. Yeah. It made a world of a difference for his company. And so now they... When they interview anyone, they have to take the test yeah. so you can see if they actually fit in the position. And so sometimes people have applied for other jobs and they're like, you know what? We want you, but you need to do this job because yeah. you're going to love this job. This is going to be perfect for you. And he's just blown away at how efficient and effective this is. Like his, he's won the, the top employer in San Antonio for like a decade now. And it's just because they pay them really well and they, um, you know, put people where they're going to be happiest. And I think that's something that, you know, because most employers, they're, or, you know, especially corporations, their main role, because the way they're set up is, you know, dividends for the investors. Yeah. That's number one. Where before corporations, you know, melded and become what they are today, the number one focus on any employer was my employees and then the community. Right. And it may, you know, whether it's just through some, you know, changes with the laws or whatever, you know, we don't want to get rid of capitalism, but with a few more rules and some guidelines, they've done it in Germany and Sweden and Finland, you know, where they give these little nudges and change a few things. And then corporations becomes a part of the solution yeah, rather than part of the problem. Well, well, I'll say when you talk about rules, I like the word change. I don't like the word more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said a few more rules. Yeah. I'm like, well, you're going to put a few more rules and you got to take 10 out first. Exactly. Yeah. No. And, and I totally agree with that because yeah. a lot of those rules actually make things worse. Yeah. You know, if we, you know, well, and, and I think that's where, 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 where the left and right, yeah. you know, can agree. 
Yeah. We want less mess, less, <laughs> you know, rules yeah. and bureaucracy and all that because, you know, if, if anything's going to be effective, you should be able to explain it really quickly. Nobody you know? knows how to run my business better than me. Yeah. Maybe a few of my staff and my wife and my kids, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> certainly not the bureaucrats. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I think every business owner can agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we, we talk about people being in the right position and <clears throat> it sort of segues into one of the things that so I, so I talked to my wife that I am hey, coming on this podcast and Jared's asked me to try to trick some people into thinking that I know something about mental wellness. And, <laughs> uh, and I said, so I, like I asked her, like, what's, what do you think on this subject? And she said, and I a hundred percent agree with her. She says, it's all about values, right? Are you, are you, are you living a life and are your actions aligned with your values, much like the staff that you're talking about, are your, mm-hmm. are your daily actions aligned with your, your core beliefs and where you need to be? And <clears throat> and I and I feel like that's one of those things that makes me a little bit worried for the future because I just see a, a larger and larger growing divide and disconnect yeah. in people's lives between what they truly value and what their actions are. Yeah. And I and I take it a step further, and I wonder if you really got deep down with people and tore a f- you know peeled a few layers of the onion away. Do people have the ability even to tell you what their core values are? Right? Do they really know what they stand for? And, um, and I think people need to get honest with that, number mm-hmm. one. And then they got to just do an assessment of, okay, are my minutes per day actually aligning with this? And, and the way that I like to say, and I've said this to my kids before, is if you truly own a value, if this is something that's really a value for you, you shouldn't have to communicate that to anybody. They should know that about you by mm-hmm. watching your actions. Yeah. And so a few years ago, it probably would have been fair for people to say, hey, Andrew values community involvement. And I did. That was at my root. That's something that I still value. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that people could see that without me going out and saying, I value community involvement. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I value my family. When people look at me and where I spend my time, do they see that? I hope they do. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I listed out every single one of my real core values. Do people know that about me just by watching my movements through a day? And are my minutes and hours that I spend on a day or a week or month really pushing towards those values? Mm-hmm. I think if I really get in line with those things, then my level of satisfaction with my life, my happiness, my relationships. I think everything will just start to really, really improve. And, yeah. and, and it's not, not easy because no. I'm, <laughs> I'm pulled in a lot of directions and I'm distracted by a lot of things. Well, and we all are distracted yeah. and that's part of the problem, right? It is. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that um, the first step, though, is to really sit down and let's clear away some of the clutter for five minutes and actually get honest with ourselves and say, okay, what is it that I actually value? Yeah. What are the, like, at the root, the things that I really can't go without right? What do I want to be known for? What should be on my gravestone? Mm. <laughs> and will people be able to see that based on my actions? And mm. if not, where do I got to start making some changes in my life yeah. so that I can really live in alignment with those values? And I, and I think that that disconnect between values and actions is causing people a lot of distress. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it might just be underlying and very, very small to start, but it grows in yeah. time. And I think it gets to the point where it's really hard to overcome. Well, you know, like I'm sure your your wife knows a lot about this or experienced this, but, we, you know, say, you know, 40 years ago when we were kids, when they asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up, you know, what were the answers? 
doctors, nurse, teacher, you know, it was ice cream man, like whatever it is. Yeah, but they were, um, you know, they were all very, you know, very similar at that time. Now, when they ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the number one answer is famous. Right. YouTube stars. Yeah. So it's they. So we've gone away from, you know, where kids wanted to be in a helping profession and make a difference to now it's, you know, those things aren't valued by our community as much. Now it's being famous, being known, making money, all of this. And, you know, the one thing I've, I've always said to my kids is, you know, because I, I think there's two parts of finding that, that piece. You know, one is um, what are you passionate about? But I try not to use the word passion because that's hard to figure out what that is. Yeah. So I always say, what gives you energy? What, what, you know, when you're doing something, what's the thing that gives you so much energy, you could just do it all day long yeah. and you never stop. And you're always kind of thinking, and when you go and do it, it just gets you all excited. So that one, and then two, what's the problem you want to solve in the world? What's the thing you see out there that really irritates you or hurts you or just breaks your heart? Yeah. How can you meld those two things? Because if we could focus in on that and, you know, I want to solve this problem. How, what do I have to do or the, the steps I can take to make a difference in that? Because then when you have control and you're making a difference and what that would do for our mental health. Man, you just said a ton of stuff that's really pretty powerful. (laughs) And and, and it kind of brings up a few. I could just go on for an hour now. So it's coffee and I'll just blabber mouth here. That's okay. I I, I love Robin Sharma. I like reading his stuff. Um, You you mentioned, you know, kids. So it brought this to my mind. Mm -hmm. He, I don't know if he's a terribly religious guy, but he he writes about this a little bit. I remember him writing this in a few different places where he, he says, Self-improvement is a, is a hoax. Self-improvement is nonsense. Mm-hmm. He says we're, we're made in the image and likeness of God, and therefore we're perfect. You can't improve on that. Yeah. You can't improve on something that's made in the image and likeness of God. Yeah. Even, even if you don't buy into that philosophy, I think people get kind of get on board with this idea. Right? Yeah. So he says you can't do self-improvement. There's no such thing. What there is is self-remembering. So take a second and put your ego aside and just remember what it was like when you were a kid, how free you were to laugh and have fun and be around your friends and how social you were and how carefree you were. And can we get to a point where we're just a little bit more like that? Yeah. You know, set the ego aside for a second and just mm-hmm. be free. Yeah. Be yourself. Right. Yeah. And so I really like what you're saying about just kids and how it's yeah. changing, but I really like that from Robin Sharma. Well, and, and you know, self, you know, this focus, this constant yeah. focus on self-improvement just turns us into a narcissist, yeah. you know, where we think, okay, I can get everything I want if I make me better. Right. You know, and, and so you put all this energy into you. And when you're thinking about yourself constantly and all these things, you can't help but become self-absorbed and narcissistic. Yeah. And the, you know, so if you can just accept, I'm fine, I'm good, yeah. you know, and then, okay, now how can I help others? And those are the people, the people you know that really are helping and that really, you know, they don't give a shit what anyone thinks. They're they're so totally confident in themselves and just yeah. yeah. Well, because it, to get better doesn't mean change. It means get closer to the core of who you are. Yeah, right? I like that. Just strip yeah. away a few layers of of the bullshit that you've built up around yourself, the facade that you've tried to develop over the years. And mm-hmm. how do you be a better parent? Well, you play more, like with yeah. your kids, and you <laughs> you be more childlike with your kids, and you yeah. you get into the head of your kids a little bit. And recognize where they're at and remember what it was like to be at that stage. And, and maybe then you can build some compassion and empathy and 
joy out of your relationship with your kids. And there's betterment in your parenting style. Well, how do you how do you have better relationships with your friends? Well, you, you have a little more fun with them. You're free. To, you're a little more free to laugh. You're a little more yeah. free to tell a joke. You're just yeah. a little more, a little less guarded. You're just mm-hmm. a little more vulnerable. Like it, there's just so many different ways yeah. that just being a little bit, I don't know, I, less arrogant. I. I don't know what the way, just put your adult self aside and be more like a kid and yeah. it just improves everything. And we're just putting so much energy into ourselves and trying to fix yeah. us. That's freaking hard though. That it's there's, hard. Yeah. And, and cause you, <laughs> it doesn't work, no. <laughs> but that energy then, and that time, then you're stealing it from yeah. your true relationships yeah. Yeah. and your children and your community. Yeah. And one, one of my teachers over the years is a guy named Dr. Clifford Oliver. I used to do a bunch of coursework with Czech Institute in San, San Francisco, not San Francisco, sorry, San Diego, Southern yeah. California. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the instructors was Dr. Clifford Oliver, brilliant guy. I just really loved every time he spoke. I was like, yeah, pins and needles. Like, what's the next thing he's going to say? But I, yeah. I, I remember clearly him saying once that we are all born into a 100-room mansion of possibility. But by the time we are in our 20s, we are what he calls wounded singers. We've been told you're not good enough. Your voice isn't good. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're not big enough for that. You're too small for that. You're whatever it happens to be. And by the time we're into our mid-20s, we're living in a, a ghetto bachelor suite of possibility. Like yeah. all the possibilities of our lives have been stripped away because everybody's told us we can't do it, right? So you're saying get back to your passions. Like what's the things that really get you fired up? Well, it's in one of those rooms in that mansion yeah. somewhere that you had when you were born. Go yeah. into that room and find it again. Yeah. But how do you strip away all that negative thought and all that stuff that's been thrown at you all your yeah. life and really get back to it and have the bravery to go and say, you know what? No, this is what I'm passionate about. Maybe you don't monetize it. Maybe you don't have that's to make that your living. That's the trick. And that's people, the trick. people think, oh, man, I, I love singing, but I can't make a career out of singing. Well, then don't. Yes. Right? But go sing. Yeah. Right? Go find whatever it happens to be that gets you fired up. And it's just like the Whitehall thing, you don't have to be the leader of your company you got to be the leader of the softball team or whatever it is. Find yeah. that thing. Same thing with your passions. Like, what is it that you really, really want to do? And just take some time to do it. And can that strip away some of the negative effects of all the other stuff in your life and give you some better health outcomes yeah. associated? You know, so whatever, where where in that 100-room mansion of possibility is your talent and your passion? Go find it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they get to a point where, like, I'm not amazing at this. I'm never going to be able to do it as a full-time job. So I'm never going to do it. I can't do it anymore. There's a lot of really yeah. bad singers that love singing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What? <laughs> but I, I remember my daughter used to sing a ton. She'd sing along with songs in the backseat of the car and whatever else. Yeah. And my one of my sons would just, you know, because kids are assholes every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh, stop it. You're terrible, right? I'm like, no, 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 no. Right? Good for you. <laughs> that, no, you never, ever say that to somebody. Yeah. Like, sing your heart out. Yeah. Right? Because it's something you're passionate about. Don't ever... Don't stifle someone's passion and energy yeah. for anything ever. And it's hard though, because mm. sometimes it's hard to listen to. Well, and you know, for instance, with music, you know, how music is used has changed in our culture so much mm. where most cultures, you know, it's a communal community thing and no one's a better singer than anyone. They all sing together right. and it's this way to heal and connect the community, you know, whether that's, um, you know, out in the East Coast where everyone sings and yeah, plays yeah. or, you know, some of the countries in Africa where they all sing, you know, and they just sound amazing together as whole community singing. Like we need to, like, it's such a uniting thing. Yeah. And same with dancing, yeah. you know, you don't have to be the best at this, but we as a community, you know, all need to share those things oh, together. Yeah. And, I, and I'm aware of that. 
and yet you won't ever hear me sing and you won't see me dance because <laughs> because I, I just am so I, I'm too uptight I don't yeah. know I just, it's on me it's entirely on me I just I don't like my singing voice and I feel really awkward dancing and so I just don't like doing either of those things so I'm saying this stuff yeah. knowing full well that I'm being a little bit hypocritical but you know what but my you passion, found your thing my passion isn't in yeah. that yeah. it's not my thing my wife loves dancing and she we go to any place and she ends up in the band yeah. Right. That's like, <laughs> she's so much fun that way. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I'm the guy, the, stu- the stuff you guys sitting with the old dudes in the corner over yeah. there complaining about how loud the music is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love having great conversations with people. That's a little bit more my yeah. speed when it comes to socialization, small mm-hmm. groups, great conversation. Yeah. And I found passions otherwise. I love the outdoors and I, yeah. and I, and I like working out, although, although I don't get to do that as much as I'd like anymore, but those are things that are really important to me and passionate for me. More mm-hmm. so than singing and dancing. But I love, even though I can't sing and I can't dance, I love music. Yes. Yeah. And I use music. It's my relaxation. There's great bands. There's so much. Apple Music has changed my life. Yes. I'm sure there's other mediums too that just happens to be mine. Mm-hmm. But I just find so much cool stuff. And I found it's a great connection to my son now too because he's, I say he's got fantastic taste in music, but I, yeah. I say that because he's got the same taste that yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah. So we share music <laughs> together. And I, I love driving and putting on music and finding new yeah. things to listen to and that's good. Um, yeah, it's good for me. That's a good relaxation tool yeah. for me. It's just yeah. finding. You got to find the thing that works for you, and that's yeah. like part of what we're doing here is to help give people ideas yeah. and things. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if you want to share any of this, but what uh, you know, like throughout your life, have you had any struggles emotionally, and you know, what have you done to help yourself find balance? I, I think we've all had struggles, right? I, I don't know if. Mine are grandiose enough to bother talking about. I, I, I think I've had it pretty easy, and I'll be honest to say that. <clears throat> loving, generous, kind parents, loving, generous, kind in-laws, fantastic wife and family and great community and great friends, and I haven't had a lot of real struggles. Um, but that's not to say that I'm every single day happy-go-lucky yeah. and to- totally free and clear of all worry, right? Mm-hmm. There's financial stress that I deal with as a business owner. That's yeah. a thing. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing recently, yeah. and I don't want to taint this and turn it into a COVID conversation. Yeah. I'm tired <laughs> You're of tired of COVID. I said that as soon as I walked in. I'm like, yeah. thank you for the invite to talk about yeah. something other than COVID-19. Yeah. But that's a thing. Then it's caused some distress in my life, right? Yeah. My business, someone outside just as I was walking in, how's business? I'm like, well, it's the worst it's ever been, actually. Yeah. But it's recovering. It's doing its thing. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's stress that exists there, but I'm not alone there, and I like knowing that I'm not alone there. Um, that, and, but, but that point... You know, to say that I'm not alone in this and it makes me feel better. Yeah. You know, again, we all know that because it's yeah. out there of what's going on. But at the same time, the more we can share yeah. these things that, yeah, I struggle and I have this anxiety about, you know, taking care of over a dozen households that I employ yeah. and this is their sole income. Yeah. Like that is a heavy weight. And the more we share these conversations, the easier it is to realize, okay, I'm stressed, but. Everyone is every day. I get it. Yeah. I, I think about the Pope and the Dalai Lama <laughs> frequently <laughs> on this front. Exactly what you're saying. So I don't know if there's a list that exists anywhere of the holiest or most spiritual people on the planet. But I think if that list existed, likely the Pope and the Dalai Lama would be on the list. Yeah. Especially right? this Pope. He's a pretty impressive guy. I agree. 100%. Yep. Yeah. I really, and that's coming from an atheist. So. I, I really like him. <laughs> I really like him. Um, I, I kind of imagine though, so Pope Francis wakes up in the morning and he 
looks in the mirror and brushes his teeth and combs his hair and whatever else. What does he see looking back at him? Does he see the Pope? Does he see the messenger from, from God? Does he see a guy that's got all his stuff figured out? Like he's got the world, right, by the horns, and he says, yeah, every decision you make is the right decision. Everything you do is the right thing to do. You, you are 100% dialed in. You have no worries. You're, you've got it made. Or does he see Jorge Bergoglio, that's his birth name, yeah. looking back at him as a human being saying, man, I made a decision yesterday. I don't know if that was the right one. Yeah. Man, I got some stuff coming up today that I feel a little anxious about. Man, I'm nervous about that. Man, I don't know if this is the right speech to give. I don't know how I'm going to act when when President Trump walks in today, who I'm going to meet. <laughs> like, like, man, I'm, I'm nervous about a lot of stuff. And, man, I feel emotions. And, man, I feel sad sometimes. And I feel happy sometimes. And, man, I'm distressed about this thing that's happening over here in the world. I don't know what to do about it. And there's mm-hmm. nobody around me that knows what to do about it. There's no right answer to that. It's hard. Yeah. Same thing with the Dalai Lama. I don't know what his birth name is, but when he looks in the mirror, what's looking back at him? The most spiritual guy on the planet or a human being that has real emotions? Yeah. I like to think, not because I hope this for them, I hope the Pope sees the Pope looking back mm-hmm. and everything's all good in the world. And I hope the Dalai Lama sees the Dalai Lama looking back and all good in this world. But I don't think that's the case. No, I, 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 so. I like to think a little bit that they're human mm-hmm. and therefore they have human emotions. Yeah. And it, and it gives me a little bit of comfort to think that, man, if, if he feels those things, self-doubt, worry, stress, anxiety, depression, all those things, maybe it's okay for me to feel those things a little bit too. Yeah. Because you know what? I'm human also. Yep. And if he's feeling it and I'm feeling it, maybe Dr. McCollum's feeling that a little bit too. And so if it's possible that we're both feeling some of those things, then maybe it's okay that we have a conversation about it. And, and maybe it's an uncomfortable conversation to start with, but maybe just initiating it to start stripping away some of those layers, that facade that I talked about, and, and maybe we can make a more meaningful and impactful investment in our lives together, mm-hmm. and we can walk this path as a, as a community and as a group, yeah. knowing full well that we're all on the same path, um, or at least hopefully we all are. Mm-hmm. So anyways, it brings me some comfort to think about the Pope in a human light <laughs> yeah, or the Dalai Lama in a human light, as opposed to this sort of, wow, really far out there yeah. type of deity almost. And, um, and, and I, I'm impressed with him because he's not selling that he is perfect yeah. and that he's a deity. You know, he, I agree. he's trying his absolute best to try to, you know, because again, if you want to inspire people that, you know, okay, I think when you put people too high, they can't help you. You know, and if you uh, get down too much to someone's level or get too low, you can't help them out. Yeah. So you you can only be an arm length ahead of anyone to ever help them. And when people are that far ahead, they're so intimidated and so overwhelmed by yeah. who you're portraying, you know, this image, the image that you can't really help people. The office, not the person. Yes. I was impressed with him on day one when he refused the red slippers, number one, and then he refused the, the was it papal? Papal yeah. apartments. People, yeah. He lived in sort of a regular apartment yeah. with the rest of the. Yeah. the he wouldn't wear all the jewels and yeah. had his the throne changed or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, those are all good steps. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, I was a born and raised Catholic. And, I, and, I, and I'm still a practicing Catholic. And, I, and I'm not afraid to say that, even though there's been some controversy in the Catholic <laughs> Church over the years, right? Yeah. Um, but if we're going to have a conversation about mental health and some of the things that I do in my life, which is the question you asked me about yeah. 10 minutes ago before I sidetracked it. That's okay. But that's important to me. <laughs> yeah. My community of people is important to me. My friends, my social network 
and and I have a couple of different circles of friends and social networks. My, yeah. my job, my volunteer life, my basketball life, my but my church is a part of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I feel a lot of comfort going for an hour, whatever it happens to be, weekly, and and some other little things that we do as a part of a church community. But I like being around those people who are admittedly struggling as well and working in a conscious way to get a little closer to godliness, mm-hmm. if you will. And that's yeah. not necessarily the ultimate goal, but just looking at Jesus and saying, man, there's a guy that really made a difference. There's a guy that is worth emulating. Mm-hmm. And if I can just emulate a little bit of that in my life, that's sort of cliche, what would Jesus do? Yeah, Maybe There's some value in that, right? Mm-hmm. I really do, on a daily basis, think through things with that filter a little bit. The filter from the Rotary Club is, is this good for all concerned? Yeah. Right? Is this something that would make Jesus proud of me? Those are filters that I make decisions based on, and I try to anyways. It's not mm-hmm. always easy. Yeah. Um, will this make a difference? Um, and if I can say no, this is a self-serving goal, or this is a goal that's just going to accomplish nothing for anybody ever, then what's the point of doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be self-serving a little bit. I got to pay my mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Right. But can I can I help some people in the process of it? If there's two mm-hmm. ways of going about it, this way I pay my mortgage and I help someone. This way I pay my mortgage, and that's it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm going to go through day. Yeah. Right. Um, I think some of those values and those ethical decision making processes that I go through in my mind, I can blame on Catholicism. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I've said this a few times too. I. I talk about Catholicism for a second. I, I don't want to sidebar and go into that too, too much, but um, there's been some controversy, mm-hmm. right? And there's been a lot of people that leave the church. I I think that there's, I've, I've seen stats that would suggest that the largest religious group on the planet is the Catholic. The second largest religious group on the planet is the non-practicing Catholic. <laughs> baptized, but not practicing. Yeah. And that number is growing largely. The mm. practicing Catholic numbers are going down and the non-practicing is going up. Yeah. We have this humongous beautiful big church in Okotoks. It's not full. Yeah. Right. That's a problem. <clears throat> but regardless, that's not what we want to talk about. What what I like to say is, man, regardless of the, the controversies, no, regardless of the poor decisions, regardless of the corruption or whatever it happens to be that's existed over the 2000 year history of the church, I would not want to live in a world that does not contain the Roman Catholic church because the amount of good that's happening around the world, Catholic charities and Catholic people, are making a difference. Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I'd be fearful of a world that doesn't have that element attached to it. Yeah. So that's, well, and that's we all, important to me. Yeah, we all need our community <clears throat> that shares our values, yeah. makes us feel safe. You know, we've had, uh, you know, um, uh, I've had a few um, people on here that are gay. And having that community where they feel they're accepted and supported and loved has made a world of a difference. I'd, and yeah. and when you don't feel you have that, you know, the, the amount of like depression and fear and suicidal thoughts that yeah. come on. And, you know, we're grateful, you know, like Catholics are grateful to have such a huge community. No matter where you are, you're going to have that group that's going to accept you and support yeah. you and, and give you that. And, you know, again, it's just our role as community members to provide that feeling of connection yeah. and support and love to everyone, you and, know. And you know what? And that's why we've put that, is it called a gay pride flag? Yeah. For part of my ignorance, but you know the little yeah. rainbow flag thing, yes. right? Yeah. We've put that in our business now. Yeah. I, it, it took me a while to come to the rationale for doing that, though. Um, 
I see the flags all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and there was a while where I was like, I don't get this. I don't understand why that belongs next to the Canada flag, the Alberta flag and whatever yeah. else. And I, it took me a little bit of what my sister-in-law actually helped me to realize this. Yeah. She's like, all it is is an indication that they're safe here. All yeah. it is is just an opportunity for them to say, okay, there's a place where there might be some other people like me and I can be a part of a community there. And that's a safe yeah. place for me to go. I'm like, it's as simple as that. She's like, it's yeah. as simple as that. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. It doesn't stand for anything really more. I mean, maybe it does for some people stand for more mm-hmm. than that, but that's all it really needs to mean. And I'm like, well, that seems pretty simple. I'm going to put one up at our business then too, because yeah. I mean, yeah, if that, if that's all it takes for someone to feel comfortable there, cause I certainly don't want yeah. them to feel uncomfortable around me, anybody mm-hmm. Yeah. talk about LGBTQ or any, anybody, I don't want them to feel uncomfortable in my space. And if, and if doing something like that helps them to feel a little bit more comfortable and a little more connected to my community, then man, that seems like a pretty simple sacrifice for I, me to make. It's pretty <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah. Cause yeah. that, that little flag, a uh, little flag on your doors, you, as they enter one, it tells those who aren't gay that we support and we'll protect these people in our space. Yeah. So you can't harass them. Or you'll, you know, well, you'll be asked to leave. Yeah. It says that. It also says to that person that you're safe, you're welcome here, you know, and you're going to be able to have your work out and we'll have your back. Yeah. You know, that's huge. Like there's, um, have you heard of Skipping Stones, the organization? It's uh, it's here in, uh, you know, the uh, foothills in Calgary and it's for transgendered kids. And it's an organization to assist families and youth through their transition. And, you know, what are the supports and who's helping you and who helps you to know what to do next and, and where to go with all that? They have a program right now where there's the transgendered flag and it's a, a sticker from Skipping Stones. And to get one on your door, the businesses have to go through a training seminar with Skipping Stones. That's interesting. And I see that just talks to my ignorance in this whole realm yeah. because I didn't know that I didn't never heard of that. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know they had a flag. I, yeah. Yeah. And it's one, it's to kind of teach these organizations. And I looked at the list who's on it. TELUS, uh, Royal Bank, uh, like some huge companies have all been through these trainings already. And it helps them to understand how to ask for pronouns. You know, what are your pronouns that work for you? And using gender, uh, you know, neutral pronouns in a lot of their uh, uh, correspondence and emails and stuff like that, just so, and, you know, not to use dead names and dead names is a term for their previous name. Okay. Because when you use their previous name, it's almost mocking who they are now. You know, you're not who you are now. You are who you were. And, you know, so there's, there's these 10 things that they train and teach businesses on so that they can uh, be that inclusive and supportive and make these people feel safe. The last 30 seconds has made it abundantly clear that I need to learn more. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. wild how, yeah. you know, again, um, we're moving. In, and, I, and again, the world looks scary out there, people, but there are so many progressive, amazing things that are happening where we're trying as a community to make everyone feel more loved and supported. Yeah. And, you know, I'll admit myself, you know, I knew nothing about transgendered people, you know, even five, six years ago. And I was, my mindset was not in a good place on it because I didn't understand it. Yeah. But, you know, I have two gay sons now, my best friend's gay, you know, I'm surrounded by these people that are educating me and helping me understand. Yeah. And the discussions I've had and the things that I've learned just put me in a different position where, you know, it's not about them putting them up and making them feel special. It's 
just doing the bare minimum to make them feel safe and included. Yeah. And that's so, where I'm at with it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm ignorant as hell yeah. in so many ways. I got to learn more, but I'm certainly at the level where I'm, I, I'm, I'm certainly feel like I'm not a bigot towards yeah, yeah. anybody. And yeah. I'd like to think that I'm in the right, taking the right steps anyways. Yeah. So that, that and, training sounds interesting to me. Yeah. And for all of us, it's just that way of educating and learning and how to support just like, you know, um, I didn't know much about Catholicism, you know, when, when I was younger, growing up Mormon and then being out on a mission and running into, you know, Catholic people and, you know, the discussions we would have, I had to learn how to understand and respect their beliefs Mm -hmm. so that we could actually converse and not fight, (laughs) you know, and it's like that with everyone's little, you know, social group to better understand it and, and support them. One of, one, of, one of the people I would consider one of my best friends and is a Mormon fellow. And, yeah. man, we have great conversations. My wife and I hang out with him and his wife and their, their, their family and our kids get along. We have great, great time with them. Yeah. With mutual understanding and, and appreciation for each other's beliefs. And, yeah. um, and it doesn't monopolize our conversation. Certainly it's not all about no. that. But it comes up and it's fun. It's actually yeah. really fun to be able to learn a little bit from each other about yeah. this. But it's just that, you know, that key thing is just – the more we can support and understand one another and learn about each other, we're actually helping each other's mental health. No question. Just by learning and asking questions and having those discussions. Yeah. Because if you have someone you can talk to, you know, you don't feel alone. Yeah. You don't feel scared. Yeah. You know, um, we've gone over an hour, but just I have one more question for you. I got, I got a story to tell you on that other one too, but ask me. Okay. Yeah. Well, you go ahead with that question, well, that, that just, story, and then I'll. F- just what you were just saying there. My son, grade 10. He's taking so, social studies he's taking right now. And, and he was in the car with my wife and I just the other day. And he was, he was saying, hey, the conversation in social studies class today was just about, like, what do you think are the world's most press, pressing issues? What are the most uh, important things that need to be resolved in the world today? Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know. What was the conversation like for you guys? Like, what were you talking about? He said, well, everybody's talking about things like global warming and the economy and Black Lives Matter mm. and, like, the things that are in the forefront of the news. Yeah. And, and I said, okay. None of, none of those are wrong. None mm-hmm. of those answers are bad answers, but that's not how I would answer that question. And he says, well, how would you answer that question? And I said, to me, the most pressing issue in the world today is tolerance, yeah. acceptance, compassion, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of that other stuff can be resolved if we start talking with a little bit more compassion and tolerance. Yeah. And, and let's walk a, a mile in each other's shoes a little yeah. bit. And, yeah, I think part of it is, People have allowed their beliefs to define who they are rather than realizing that we're all people. We all have our weaknesses. We're all struggling, but we just have different beliefs on things that make us a part of a community or feel, you know, comfortable. And, you know, the fact that people are letting, you know, oh, well, you vote that way or you (laughs) do this. You're a bad person. Yeah. You know, like the overlap in the center, especially in the U.S., and it's just affecting us all, right? You know, the conservative, uh, sorry, the uh, Republicans and Democrats used to overlap kind of like an M. Yeah. Well, now there are two mountains on, you know, <laughs> yeah. the opposite ends of the graph. And we're allowing that Canada's always been really good with kind of being fairly central. And we would flip from liberal to conservative, liberal, conservative, like every other election. Yeah. And I, I like that, you know, I don't support either party, right. <laughs> but I like the idea of us 
you know, flipping sides, you know, gets us to think about each one and kind of keeping us fairly balanced. If we get too extreme, then we can't listen and learn from each other anymore. Oh. And, and we can't find that middle path to benefit. Are we listening benefit. and learning? In our world today? We are not. Yeah, yeah. Not either. very, very little. Well, that's what I was yeah. trying to get across to Josiah, my son, when, when I said that to him. Like, go, go back and tell your teacher that that's your dad's perspective on the most pressing issue and see what she says to that. I don't know if he did that. I'm mm-hmm. sure he didn't. He's in grade 10. He's first yeah. year in a school and he's shy. So I'm sure yeah, he yeah. didn't do that. But, um, I, yeah, I'd be curious. And, and, and he goes to a Catholic school. So I would think that that conversation would be one that would be welcomed there anyways. Mm-hmm. I, I know it would be welcomed there. I know the teachers. I know the administration. Like, yeah. But it's like... What sells? What's popular? What's the big thing? And we look at the big, we're very easily distracted by big, shiny, loud things as a people. But that message of, you know, how do we communicate better? How do we meet in the middle? How do we heal this divide? Mm -hmm. That should be the forefront of our politicians and our religious leaders and everyone. Because, you know, you think about it, um, you know, look, look at our government. What is, you know, we have the government and then opposition. Yeah. Like what a terrible term for those that are trying to help make our community better. I have never opposition. thought of it. Yeah, that's a bad word for it. Like all our terms. And, yeah. and you know, what's, what's the most important uh, position in the government for a party other than the prime minister? The party whip. Right. Who's whipping all those backbenchers to do exactly what the prime minister wants. Yeah. Like we have terms built into our political system that give us the wrong idea of how things should be run. And we need to let go of those things and change it. And of course, you and I have had discussions on politics a lot about yeah, we're the changes about mental health we'd like to politics. see. It always but, goes back to that. For yeah, us, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's a huge issue. It is. I think it really affects because it's, I love your statement because that is the number one issue yeah. and you're, you're spot on and I, I love it. I believe I am. And I, and, but I believe I'm right about a lot of things. <laughs> I've, been, I've been proven wrong a few times in my life. <laughs> yeah. But um, that could solve so many issues. Yeah. Because if we can get to that place, we can really make some change. I agree. And I I think that there's actual right-wing agenda things that can be impacted by that too, like the economy. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it's far-reaching. Yeah. Yeah. So my last question for you is, you know, the thing we've gotten out of this are are two points that I think are really important. You know, that that we need to fix that and heal that divide in our community and, you know, within, uh, you know, the world in general. But you've talked a lot about, you know, finding your values and living your values. So how, what, what advice would you give? What kind of direction or ideas have you used to find out what your values are and, and, to, and to get there, you know, to make that list so people yeah. can start making decisions based off those values? I think you have to shut the noise out a little bit. Um, I, I find that there's been times in my life where I've been incredibly busy. I, almost to the point where I was wearing busyness as a badge of honor. Like mm-hmm. I got to that point where I was like, I'm proud yeah. of myself because of how Hustling. busy I am. Yeah. 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 But, you know, when I when I take a step back, though, <clears throat> and put some quiet time into my life, that quiet time can just be sitting, being contemplative. It could be on a commute. It could be meditative. I mean, there's different ways that people can find some quiet. But if you just take a step back and just look at your life and <clears throat> reflect a little bit, I, I think then you can start to really get honest with yourself about what, what are your values and then begin yeah. at home, mm-hmm. right? Like build, the, we're talking about relationships and building a better community for yourself. Well, begin in your home, like yeah. build that solid family foundation. Even if you're a single person, there's maybe an extended family or maybe your family is just your core group of friends, but whatever yeah. it is, that your closest people, 
work on that. Make those people so like so they know that they're so important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then reach out and make some connections, build those sort of friendships in that way. I got a text message the other morning from a guy who's he's an acquaintance. He's a he's a I would call him a friend for sure, but he's not a guy that I spend a lot of time yeah. with. Um, when we get together, it's very it's fun, it's jovial, it's easy. But but I mean, he's not he's not my best friend. Um, he sent me a text message the other, just hey Andrew, I was thinking about you. Hope you have a fantastic day. That was it. Like, man, that guy put Facebook down for long enough to yeah. actually make a personal connection with me. And that's what I'm kind of thinking about too is how much time do we waste on things like Facebook with all these 700 sort of peripheral relationships, mm-hmm. if you even want to call them that. That's probably too strong yeah. a word for it. Why don't you put that down and make a phone call? Hey, haven't spoken to you in a while. I just wanted to reach out, say hi. Yeah. Right? I made a point of trying to do that throughout COVID, right, when we're sort of isolated a little bit oh, that's good. on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Phone somebody. Hey, I have no agenda for calling you. I just wanted to see what's up. How are you doing? Like, how's your health and how's your relationships and how's your, like, I would actually ask those kind of questions and Uh and it was powerful. That's something. And and then take the time to just kind of dig into those kind of social circles. I, I coach at CrossFit gym, the 10, 15 AM class every day. It's a tight group of people. They're awesome. They're fun. They're funny. They're energetic. They hang out a lot after class. And Mm -hmm. when I'm not rushed to get out, like today, I, I had some time to spare. So I spent maybe 15 minutes just kind of hanging out with them. Man, was that uplifting. Yeah. I laughed harder in those 15 minutes than I have in weeks, yeah. and it empowered me. It made me alive. And, and, and man, i got to go out of my way to find more of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important. But back to your question. Yeah. Strip away the noise. Yeah. Sit and be quiet for a little while. And I think that's something that people don't do nearly often enough. Yeah. I think we're just too cluttered. I think the Buddhists call it monkey mind. Yeah. You gotta sit back and you gotta shut the monkey up a little bit. You gotta just let yourself relax. And yeah. I took a meditation course once from a group of nuns at the at the, the convent, mm-hmm. the Fellowship of Christ Jesus Convent it's in downtown Calgary. A bunch of nuns were teaching mm-hmm. a meditation course. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting because meditation to me kind of seems like an Eastern thing. But here's the Catholics talking about meditation. So well, how's this prayer and pondering is meditation? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. But I, yeah. I wasn't at that point where I could understand that at that time. But they sort of said, hey, prayer is an opportunity for you to speak. Mm-hmm. meditation is an opportunity for you for to listen, listen yeah. right? And, uh, and again, I don't know that you have to go so far as to meditate to kind of find some of these answers, although I would absolutely push the meditation agenda on people. I, yeah. I, I, I do that myself. I engage in active meditations as well as just quiet sitting meditations. Mm-hmm. And I find them very, very powerful, but just quiet time. I yeah. think it's good. And, and the more quiet time I take, the more I can really get in touch with what my true core values are or my true core feelings on certain topics are. And then it's just a matter of me being brave enough to act on them. Yeah. Being brave enough to be vulnerable and be brave enough to put myself in situations where I can really live that um, and then strip away and get rid of some of the other stuff that's in the way of it. And I've, and I've made efforts over the last few years to do that for myself, and it's been regenerating and really, really good for me. Wow. I'm not in a perfect place. Yeah. You know, I don't have all my shit together no. entirely every single day, but I'm, yeah. I'm making steps in that direction, I think, every day. And, um, and I'm happy that I've got a good support network around yeah. me. I'm happy that I'm in a place now where I can have a conversation like this mm-hmm. um, yeah. and be okay with people listening to me saying, hey, I'm not perfect. Yeah. And, hey, I got fears and anxieties, and it's okay for people to recognize yeah. that I have that. But like you said earlier, you are perfect. Oh, yes. It's just yes. getting reconnected yeah. with who you are. Yeah. And loving who you are, and Thank meditation. You for that back in my face, yeah, yeah. My yeah. Words. yeah. But you know, but yeah. I, I know what you're saying. You're trying to say I don't have it all figured out. Yeah. But you, as an individual, are. Yeah. 
you're all there. It's it's there. You're perfect. Now it's just letting go of that noise mm-hmm. so you can reconnect with who you are, where you're at, and what's really important. Yeah. Because I think the noise out there it wants to just distract us, wants us focused yeah. on their stuff, yeah. and and you know always in, on a screen in in you know what's new, what's fascinating, rather than you know just being with ourselves and reconnecting with what's really important. And get to the point where I'm capable of laughing. Um, no matter who's in the room. Yeah. You know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. You go to a comedy club and something's really, really funny. I don't go to comedy clubs often, just yeah. an example, on TV or yeah. on the radio or whatever. I've been to a couple comedy clubs. but you're, It's really friggin' funny, but you're nervous to laugh at it because you're <laughs> not sure what the guy next to you is going to think of you yeah. because you found that funny. Yeah. What does it say about me that I found that funny and I'm nervous about what that guy thinks about me if I think, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, no, strip that away. If yeah. it's funny, laugh at it. Yeah. Like yeah. get comfortable with yourself to the point that you're willing to laugh at yeah. what you think is funny and not worry about what anybody yeah. else thinks. Right? Or even cry at that show yeah. because it's really gotcha and everyone's around or whatever. Just being okay with your emotions. Yeah. You know, and again, thing we always talk about in the course is that, you know, emotions are not bad. They are signals of perceived imbalance. Okay. So yeah. when you feel angry, you're not an angry person. It's not a bad thing. It's just telling you right now, you perceive this situation as unfair. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? You know? anger. I have a good friend who reminds me often when I'm on a, on a rant, like, this is pissing me off, right? Yeah. He, he'll remind me every opportunity to develop anger or frustration is also an opportunity to develop patience and compassion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes, thank you. Yes, yeah. good reminder. But um, at the same time, every... Great moment of social change was fueled by anger. Yeah. Because you take that anger and rather than just getting angry, you use it in self-assertion and nonviolence to make change in the world. And so when you're frustrated about what's happening in the world and what's happening out there, you have a choice. You can sit there and get bitter and angry or you can hold it all inside and make yourself sick. Or you can be like, what can I do? To use this energy to make change in my community. I appreciate that you threw the word nonviolence. That's two words, maybe. Nonviolence yeah, yeah, yeah. Into that sentence. I appreciate that. Yeah, because that's important, and I think it's 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 a necessary addition to that sentence. Well, and you like, you know, there's times, <laughs> you know, where, you know, there's going to be a mess here and there, but if you look back at every great moment of social change, whether it was Gandhi or the suffragettes or you know getting the right to vote or, you know. There's times where, you know, because people are so scared, you know, I think the majority of people are trying to make change in nonviolent ways. And then, you know, people don't like it and they make it violent. But that is our focus, you know, because I'm thinking more in like in our relationships, in our communities, you know, dealing with people. We always want to throw up this barrier to protect ourselves and we get really angry because we feel their questioning of our beliefs or our viewpoint is somehow hurting us that they're judging us in some way, but we're not. We're just, we're critiquing ideas, not people. Right. And we have to get to that point to make that connection, yeah. you know, with others. Yeah. But that, that, this has been an awesome discussion. For me, I really appreciate it. Change from my daily routine. I yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll have to follow up in a while here and see how you're doing. And because uh, there's lots more we could talk about. I think we can maybe go for another hour. <laughs> yeah. Easily. yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> it's never been hard before. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I'll put in uh, some information here on, uh, um, you know, if you ever want to hang out with Andrew at 1015 in the morning at the CrossFit gym, you can always join. 
I did it for like a year and a half, but I, I learned a very good lesson for myself. I'm way too competitive to do CrossFit. <laughs> and I just hurt myself all the time. So when I can, when I get my knee all healed up, maybe it's something I'll try again. <laughs> One of the rules that's written right on the wall is you got to leave your ego at the door. Yeah. And that's really hard for some people. It's not, yeah, I, I get it. People get competitive. I do the same. Yeah. I'd watch, you know, Yacinta kick my ass every day yeah. and I'm trying to keep up with Yacinta and that's a bad idea because she is one badass woman. She's beast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate you in this community and all they do because I know what you do is for the right reasons. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Take care. Well, it was so wonderful sitting down with Andrew Gustafson. What an amazing fellow. Him and I've had some really interesting discussions over the years and I'm always so impressed with him and his approach to life. He's a very balanced and, um, very open to learn and to understand other people's perspectives. And he's not a very judgmental man. He, you know, even though your beliefs are very different and your approach to life may be differently, he only cares if you're a good person or not. And I greatly respect Andrew for that. And that's why I always enjoy the time we spend together. I think he's a very uh, powerful member of our community and we are so grateful to have him and all he's done for our community and 